This is Dr. Fred Rivara from the University of Washington speaking today about concussions. The public and scientific views of the impact of concussions on young athletes are changing. In the past, concussions were viewed by many as non-important dings to be shaken off and not allowed to interfere with return to play. However, a cultural shift is occurring in the attitudes towards sports play that results in traumatic brain injury, including concussion, especially in youth. Recent literature in both the lay and professional press has caused youth, their parents, coaches, teachers, and physicians to view concussions as more serious threats to the health of young athletes than they have in the past. At the same time, concern about the levels of obesity in youth has emphasized the need for regular, moderate, or vigorous physical activity. One of the best methods for doing so is participation in organized sports. So there's a sort of dilemma here, how to increase physical activity without increasing the risk of concussions. Much is known about sports-related concussions, but much is also not known, particularly about concussions in younger athletes. The most frequently cited statistic is that 1.6 to 3.8 million sports and recreational-related traumatic brain injuries occur annually in the United States. However, this is based on injuries involving loss of consciousness reported in 1991 in a supplement to the National Health Interview Survey. Other data from the CDC is based upon emergency department visits, which are inaccurate since the majority of concussions are not treated in hospital emergency rooms. Less than 10% of concussions involve loss of consciousness. So these estimates seriously undercount concussions. Underreporting of concussions by athletes to trainers and coaches is a recognized concern and has resulted in underestimates of the true incidence of this injury. We also don't really know if there are true differences in the rate of concussions by gender. The available data indicate that female athletes have higher rates of concussions than male athletes playing equivalent sports such as soccer and basketball. These differences may represent true differences in the incidence of concussion or differences in reporting biases. If, in fact, concussions occur at different rates in males than females, the reasons for any differences are unknown. The number and magnitude of head impact dynamics may be different, possibly due to differences in neck strength, which affects head impact dynamics. Alternatively, the brains of females may be more vulnerable to injury at the same magnitude of head impact than are males. It is also unknown at what age and what pubertal status such differences may appear. One of the difficulties in accurate assessment of the incidence of concussion has been the fact that concussions remain a clinical diagnosis based upon reported symptoms after a hit to the head or body. There is a need for objective diagnostic markers for concussions as well as objective markers of recovery. Guidelines for the diagnosis and management of concussions have been developed, but these are primarily, primarily based on clinical experience and not on scientific evidence. Most athletes with concussions recover, although recovery appears to be slower in high school-age athletes than in college athletes. Research in high school and college provides clear evidence for cognitive deficits associated with concussions, particularly in reaction time, visual and verbal working memory, and executive function. Children with persistent concussive symptoms have displayed changes on advanced imaging tests, such as functional magnetic resonance imaging and diffusion tensor imaging. Psychosocial difficulties such as anxiety and depression and school problems have been described, 
although it is difficult to determine whether these are due to the injury or predate the injury. As standardized assessments of mental health symptoms and school function are generally not collected prior to concussion. There is a need for randomized controlled trials and longitudinal cohort studies in youth of all ages to determine the optimal management of these injuries. The data to support the effectiveness of current interventions, especially in children and adolescents with sports-related concussions, are limited, with virtually no data stemming from randomized controlled trials. For example, while there are data to support a limited period of physical rest, there are no data to support so-called cognitive rest, which is often recommended after concussions. In high school and college athletes, evidence suggests that prior concussion increases the risk for additional concussions. There is a period of increased brain vulnerability after an injury, but we don't really know how long it lasts. We also know that after one concussion, the second concussion can be worse. However, we can't tell parents yet how many concussions are the limit. When should the child switch sports? Because the concern about the consequences of concussions, appropriate attention needs to be paid to ways in which they can be prevented, the severity minimized, and the safety of players improve. While there is some evidence that rules and playing standards can affect the incidence of concussions, there's a need for much more research on this. One question which comes up is how well do helmets prevent concussions, such as football helmets? Unfortunately, there is currently inadequate data to determine threshold for sports-related concussions in youth of different ages. The available data indicate that currently available helmets may not prevent concussions, while they may prevent more serious injuries such as intracranial hemorrhage. Finally, I want to talk about the culture of sport. The culture of sport affects the recognition, reporting, and management of sports-related concussions in youth of all ages. The maximum of not letting the team down, manning up, and winning at all costs has led to athletes not reporting their concussive symptoms to others, athletes covering up the injuries of their mem team members, and parents and coachings minimizing the injuries of the players. This may lead to prolonged recoveries, repeated injuries within short periods of time, and disability. While there are, are indications that this culture is changing, the shift is not complete. There is a clear need for education about the importance of concussions, the importance of reporting concussive symptoms to parents and coaches. The old idea that if a bone is not sticking through the skin, then you're not really hurt needs to be debunked. I believe that parents will lead the way on this change in culture. This is a very exciting time for this field of sports concussions. I look forward to the discoveries in the next few years. Thank you.